Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up, why not give yourself a break from the kitchen for the next few days? It's Restaurant Week in Finley, and we have all the culinary details. Also this morning, lymphoma is the third most common type of cancer in children. And while survival rates are high, the treatments are harsh and carry long-term side effects. But that may be changing thanks to the Dare to Dream project of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We'll learn more. And spring break will be here before you know it and summer vacation season not long after. What are the travel trends that experts expect to see over the coming months? This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, February 20th, 2023. Very sad over the weekend to hear that uh, former President Jimmy Carter is now uh, in hospice care. Uh, Apparently over the weekend, he uh, decided to forego any further medical intervention. I guess he's been in and and out of the hospital several times over the past uh, few months and decided to forego any uh, further medical intervention and instead spend whatever time he has left at home with his family. And uh, certainly at the age of 98, he has uh, earned that right to uh, to sign off on his terms, as it, uh, as it were. And, uh, you know, however you feel about Jimmy Carter, the president, um, I don't know that he was such a bad president so much as an ineffective president. I mean, his legacy in the presidency uh, was one of ineffectiveness more than anything else, perhaps. But uh, he was, I don't think that there can be any question that he was one of the most fundamentally decent human beings to ever occupy the Oval Office. Um, again, that's not to say anything about his skill or his legacy as president, but just a decent human being and uh, probably a better ex-president than he was uh, a president. But uh, certainly the thoughts and prayers with the Carter family and uh, with the uh, former president himself as he uh, enters this final stage of his time on earth. As uh, many of those who know the former president have said, he uh, uh, definitely has a greater reward coming. Uh, No question about that. So uh, some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. Does it feel like you dream more in the wintertime than you do at other times of the year? Apparently, it's true. You do. Uh, Researchers in Germany have found that people get longer REM sleep in the winter months than they do in the spring, summer, or fall. A research team in Berlin studied nearly 300 participants for this study, sleep participants, at various times through the year. Total sleep time was about an hour longer in the winter with REM sleep, that deep sleep where um, where you dream. REM sleep lasted about 30 minutes longer on average, uh, over the winter, human physiology is downregulated. They say with a sensation of running on empty when you get into the months of February and March. 
Uh, this is according to Dr. Dieter Kuhns, who is, I guess, the lead researcher on the study. Uh, he says this information could help influence school and work schedules. So, what uh, that... Uh, uh, whether that will be the case or not, but it is interesting nonetheless. We do sleep more in the wintertime, and we have more deep sleep, more more dreams in the wintertime. So make of that what you will. Talk about uh, this is a nightmare. Dreams, the stuff that nightmares are made of. Apparently, uh, more than 300,000 Starbucks vanilla frappuccino drinks are being recalled. Whatever will we do? Before you get your morning started with your uh, obligatory Starbucks beverage, the FDA is recalling uh, 300,000 Starbucks vanilla frappuccino because glass was found in some of the bottles. The agency says it's a class two recall, which is when a product causes temporary or medically reversible adverse health consequences. The recall affects bottles with an expiration date of March 8th, May 29th, June 4th, and June 10th of this year. Spokesperson for PepsiCo, which produces and distributes the coffee chain's products, says marketplaces are in the process of removing the product from store shelves. So whether you, if you don't have one, I mean, if you have one on your shelf or in your uh, fridge or what have you, uh, check that expiration date to see if it's part of the recall, and if you go to the store today hoping to pick one up and can't find one, now you know why. So, not the way you want to start your Monday, right? That's, I know. Uh, A couple of other uh, interesting items among the first things you need to know as we get your Monday morning started. Speaking of drinks, what do you think is the drunkest state in America? (laughs) New research from 24-7 Wall Street Utilizing data from county health rankings, Wisconsin is the drunkest state in America. Oh, you think of all the breweries in Milwaukee and and so on, so it's probably not surprising. 25.2% of adults in Wisconsin, so one in four, drink heavily, which is 6% more than the national average. I mean... It makes sense. Have you ever been to Wisconsin? <laughs> I joke. I've been to Wisconsin. Uh, it's a lovely, lovely state. Um, on the serious side, 35% of fatal car accidents are alcohol-related. In Wisconsin, a daunting number that is 9% higher than national average. Uh, the second most drunken state in America is Iowa, with 24.6% of adults drinking excessively. South Dakota, Montana, and North Dakota round out the top five. So, you know what's interesting about that? They're all cold-weather states. This time of year, what else is there to do? (laughs) Um, You know, you get into February and March, it's cold, it's snowy. Uh, We're just going to stay in and drink. So, uh, Wisconsin, Iowa, South Dakota, Montana, and North Dakota... The bottom five, the states that are considered the least drunk of all U.S. states, Oklahoma, Alabama, West Virginia, which is kind of interesting. I would not have guessed that in the bottom five. Mississippi and Arkansas. So again, warmer weather states where you can get outside and 
do other things in the wintertime. Oklahoma, Alabama, West Virginia, Mississippi, and Arkansas. Those are the only ones that I know. I just know the top five, bottom five. I have no idea where Ohio ranks. I don't I don't have any of that information. Don't ask me. I, I tried to find it, and I, I couldn't find the overall rankings. I saw a lot of news stories, a lot of write-ups on the most and least drunk states of America, but I don't know where everybody else ranks. Or maybe they just, well, they would have had to have gone gone through every state if they compiled the list right but it's not i couldn't find it anywhere so i don't ask me um and finally among the first things you need to know this morning the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day i i don't know what to what to make of this uh story i thought it was interesting it says there are definitely benefits to living by yourself um no messy roommates. Obviously, privacy is not an issue. You can stay up as late as you want without worrying about keeping anyone else up. You can watch TV in bed till all hours. You know, don't have to worry about, you know, a partner or what have you. So if you live by yourself, there are definitely benefits. But every pro has its con. And the big drawback to living by yourself, if you are a solo renter in the U.S., is what Zillow calls a singles tax the amount more per year that you will pay over those who sign a lease with someone else. This is according to Bloomberg. According to Street Easy Data, Zillow found that renters who live alone end up forking over almost $7,000 more per year for a one-bedroom median apartment, though some cities command much more. That uh, same singles add-on in New York City will cost you $19,500. In the borough of Manhattan, it's $24,000 that single renters will be out as compared to those who have roommates. That's why people, a lot of people in New York have roommates. Uh, Renters considering going solo this year must decide how valuable living alone is to them and, and if the cost is worth it, according to a spokesperson for Zillow, compiled uh, all of the numbers here. I Now, just to clarify, and again, what confused me on this, they're not actually charging solo renters more, right? I mean, you rent this apartment, it's $2,000 a month, or if you're renting it by yourself, it's $3,000 a month. And they don't do it like It's just the because you're not sharing the expenses with someone else, then you... Uh, you have more expenses to pay on your own. That's it, right? I, mean, it, I can't imagine a uh, an apartment, the, the cost of rent being more if you don't have a roommate, uh, just that you don't have anybody to share it with. I just thought it was uh, kind of interesting, something to uh, chew on this morning. The most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, partly sunny today with a high of 48. It'll be partly cloudy tonight, a low of 36. Raise the Bar Hancock County will be holding three career expos to give local high school students a look at potential career paths and employment opportunities. Raise the Bar Executive Director Trisha Valesque says they're really excited to offer this career expo series for grades 9 through 12. This is an opportunity for them to go in to predetermined workplaces and learn a little bit more about industries and all of the jobs in those workplaces that support the industry. 
The first Career Expo next week will focus on hospitality and tourism and include the Finley-Hancock County Convention and Visitors Bureau and the Hancock Historical Museum, among others. Get more of our talk with Tricia about these Career Expos on our website. Ohio U.S. Senator Sherrod Brown has some advice for the people of East Palestine as they continue to deal with the after-effects of that toxic train derailment. Brown, who was in East Palestine, said anybody feeling they're sick from the incident should get checked out and that, especially if they don't have health insurance, they should expect to be reimbursed by Norfolk Southern. He also said... Just a warning, Norfolk Southern, is they cut $1,000 and $2,000 checks to some of these families, that these families don't sign any form from Norfolk Southern giving up any legal rights. Dave James, I went in news. A Cleveland native, one of the first black officers to lead a special forces team into combat, will receive the nation's highest award for bravery in battle. Retired U.S. Army Colonel Paris Davis got a call from President Biden saying he will receive the prestigious Medal of Honor. Colonel Davis is being recognized for heroism during the Vietnam War. The 83-year-old was originally nominated for the medal back in 1965, but the Army said it lost the paperwork. The denouncement comes after years of lobbying by supporters, including the man he saved. I'm Russ Mitchell. The Faustoria Police Division is welcoming a new four-legged member to the force. Bandit, a 20-month-old Dutch Shepherd, graduated from the Ohio State Highway Patrol K-9 Academy a few weeks ago, along with his K-9 handler, Faustoria Police Officer Jared Lindig. The police department posted on their social media that they can't wait to see what this duo can do. See a picture of the two on our website. Matt Demchak for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Well, happening around town, this is always a lot of fun. It's a week to kind of give yourself a break from the kitchen because it is restaurant week in Finlay and the surrounding area this year. We've got all of the culinary details from Danielle Wilkin. Visit Finley, and uh, thanks for dropping by. We yes, appreciate it. Thanks for having this me. This is what the sixth year, yes, and it, is. Uh, it has gone over really, really well. Uh, yeah, a lot of uh, restaurants, almost what, almost two dozen. Now. Yeah, yeah. We have um, this year. We have nineteen locations participating, so we awesome. love it. It's been really great. And uh, so, uh, give us the details on how this works. Sure. So you will first want to go to our website, visitfinley.com slash restaurant week to see mm-hmm. the locations that are participating as well as their menus. Mm-hmm. Um, the hardest part is choosing where to go. <laughs> um, so from there, you'll want to go to those locations, ask for the restaurant week menu, and then you get to pick one choice per um, course. Mm-hmm. So it's a three course meal. Right. Um, some of these locations have gotten very creative. So if you're 21 and over, sometimes you get a beverage with your meal okay. instead of a, a dessert right. or an appetizer. Okay. Um, but then you get three courses for a set price. So it's, it's a really good deal. So generally it's uh, appetizer, entree and dessert. Yes, is, exactly. Uh, yes. It is generally the, the way it works. And what I love about this is uh, we were talking a little bit about it earlier. Uh, all kinds of different price points. I mean, if you want to go out uh, relatively inexpensively, uh, the prices start at fifteen dollars, and then you can go all up, uh, all the way up to like forty five dollars yeah, per person. Exactly. So. Yeah. So the price points this year are fifteen, twenty five, thirty five, and forty five dollars per person. Mm-hmm. And there's a good selection at each of those price points. So you can decide if you want to um, get a three course meal for fifteen dollars, or go all the way up and, and visit Mancy's at forty five dollars. Yeah. So uh, the uh, restaurants that are participating at the fifteen dollar uh, per person price point, you get campus campus. Polly Eyes, mm-hmm. uh, Circle of Friends, Jack and Dozy in Arlington, 
and uh, the Wildcat Cafe, and that's in Van Loo, yes. right? Yes, yep, that's in Van yeah. Loo. And they've participated for a, f- a few years, but mm-hmm. this is Jack and Doe's, as well as some of the $25 and $35 price points um, yeah. in Bluffton. It's their first time participating. So for the $25 per person, Alexandria's The Fern, the Garden Grill at the Hilton Garden Inn, Gillig Winery, uh, Kira's Flipside Grill, uh, Logan's Irish Pub, and Oler's. Yes. Uh, $35 per person. You've got the Dark Horse, Finley Brewing, Greenhorn, Smokin' Buckeye Barbecue, and Vivir Modern Me- Mexican. And then, as you mentioned, Mancy's and the Tavern at the Inn at the $45 exactly. uh, price. So, again, what I thought was kind of interesting, I'm reading down the, the list. There are a couple in there that I've never been to. Yeah, so. yeah. So, this is a really good opportunity to try something new. Um, or it's just an opportunity to go back to one of your favorite spots. And it's just an excuse to go out to eat, maybe <laughs> save a couple of bucks. Um, but, yeah, the Greenhorn in Bluffton is a vegan restaurant um, okay. that just opened um, in the last few years in Bluffton. Okay. Um, this is their first year participating. And then Kira's flip side was formerly Luke's um, okay. in Bluffton. And they have a really good menu yeah. put together as well. Uh, and then also this year, you have uh, the uh, Bourbon Affairs uh, participating. So maybe before or after dinner for drinks. Yeah. Yeah, they have. It's a really good deal. So you get two cocktails and an appetizer for 20 bucks. Oh. So if you if, if three courses isn't enough food, you can go before <laughs> and after um, dinner and um, you know, you can go to a couple of places for dinner too. I won't yeah. judge first dinner, second dinner, you know, go ahead, go so, all out. <laughs> so there, there are certain hours for, uh, the restaurant week specials, yeah. right? Yeah. So this is just during dinner hours. So okay. you'll want to check, um, each restaurant specific hours. Um, we've okay. tried to list that on our website, but be sure to check with the actual restaurant too. So um, that may vary. Yeah. Some okay. of them open at four, some are at five. Just make sure to check that. And then some of them are open all seven days too. Several locations are closed today. Um, so you, that's why you'll want to plan it all out. Make sure right. you get your plan of action. Exactly. Um, but again, all of the menus uh, and all of the, the special selections for Restaurant Week. Um, and you can order off the regular menu. Oh, yeah, but, of course. You know, but, uh, you know, obviously the purpose of uh, Restaurant Week and, and the restaurants kind of, like you said, spend some time to come up with uh, some creative pairings. Oh, and, yeah. You know. Yeah. Some locations do special menus that you can only get during Restaurant Week. So mm-hmm. Garden Grill at Hilton Garden and specifically, they always do something creative and new that you can only get this week. So you won't want to miss it. Well, that's kind of fun for the restaurant yeah. to kind of try out something new and exactly. see, you know, how people, uh, you know, respond to that. So, uh, and, and again, uh, it goes on all this week today through Sunday, Sunday. Yep. So, um, but again, dinner hours, cause I don't want people to yeah. <laughs> get the impression show up for lunch. And cause I'm thinking the only way to get through all of them would be, all three meals of the day yeah it's just for dinner just so. dinner hours and just dine in as well just dine in yes yes good point um the idea behind this mm-hmm. uh obviously to promote the fact that we have so many terrific restaurants yeah i mean the biggest point is in the the purpose behind it is just to encourage people to get out and support local i think it's really easy to go back and um go to those tried and true chain restaurants sure and i love those too however mm-hmm. we have so much local talent creating menus and creating food here that it's really nice to go out and reward them um, and also try it out you know people always talk about going to bigger cities 
cities to go to specific restaurants, but we have a lot of really great restaurants and a lot of really, really, really great food right here in Finley and Hancock County. We are really blessed we are. Uh, with with a number of dining establishments mm-hmm. that we that we have. Really something for just about everyone. And again, it's reflected in the uh, Restaurant Week uh, menu. Or yeah. List of restaurants. Yeah, there's there's something for everybody. Even the pickiest eater can find something during restaurant week. <laughs> so take the kids. Exactly. <laughs> um, now, like you said, all of the uh, menus and everything that you need to know uh, all linked up at the w- uh, website, right? Yes. Yep. All the information you need to know is at visitfinley.com slash restaurant week. And if you have a question, feel free to reach out to us. Our contact information is on that webpage as well. Okay. So you can put up a sign in your kitchen. The kitchen is closed. Exactly. Going out to eat all week long. We've got a link up at our webpage at goodmornings.net. Restaurant Week in Finley, 6th Annual. And it's uh, just a terrific uh, event. And Danielle Wilkin again from Visit Findlay with us this morning. Danielle, thanks very much for dropping by. Thanks we appreciate for having it. me. Lymphoma is the third most common type of cancer in children. And while survival rates are high for most types, treatments for this type of blood cancer are typically harsh and outdated and can often lead to long-term side effects and even life-threatening complications. The good news is that safer and less toxic treatments are on the horizon. Julie Gabriel has lived this with her son, Anthony, and today her family is part of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's Dare to Dream project to help transform treatment and care for children with blood cancer. And Julie, I can't even imagine what goes through a parent's mind when a child is diagnosed with cancer. Kind of take us through your family's experience with this. Absolutely. I will say no one prepares you to hear those words ever. And once you hear the words, in our case, your son has cancer, it was almost as if time stood still for us. There's a sense of dumbness and fear. There's obviously a reflection of, did I do something wrong? Hmm. Because as a parent, you're supposed to protect these, you know, these little people, right? And so you... I think that's one of your first instincts. So what? So you feel a little isolated on your journey yeah. as you start to go down that road. So what was the treatment like for Anthony? And he was, what, seven years old when you got the diagnosis? He was seven, yes. Um, he was a couple months shy of his eighth birthday. So uh, we received the prognosis, which is very favorable. And we received his treatment plan. So then I mean singular, one treatment plan. We have one protocol that we could choose from, um, but it had really good outcomes. So that is the road that we went down. And it's your standard treatment protocol for his non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. But unfortunately, or fortunately, it was developed in 1987. So they know that it has good outcomes. However, it is laden with highly toxic chemotherapies that also give him a lifetime of potential side effects. Yeah, well, I, it, medical science has advanced so much since 1987. It's it's actually kind of hard to believe that the protocols have not been uh, updated since. Now, how is Anthony doing today? He's doing pretty well. He is five and a half years in remission. He's 13 years old and is a typical eighth grader going to school. <laughs> He does have uh, he does have a complication in the fact that his immune system never rebounded. Mm. So he does weekly infusions here at the house to keep him healthy, so he can fight off 
a lot of those bugs and viruses out there that you or I can fight off without needing an infusion. And because of this, he's going to undergo a bone marrow transplant next month, Mm. which is a big journey. Um, But this will hopefully reset his immune system so he can live a normal and healthy life. Yeah. So again, that kind of cycles back to what we were talking about. The good news is that safer, less toxic treatments are on the horizon. So maybe future kids won't have to deal with those long-term effects and complications. Tell us about the LLS Dare to Dream project uh, and and the way uh, that is working toward that that, that, that brighter treatments, I guess. Absolutely. Because what we said, you know, earlier is a lot of these treatments are outdated because only 5% of oncology drugs previously have ever been approved for first use in children. The Dare to Dream project is the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's vision because they recognize kids are different than adults and the biology of their cancer is different than the adult. And I realize not everybody's outcome not everybody's family outcome is like ours. Mm-hmm. And it takes a village to make these things change. And it takes a village to make change happen, right? So we're excited because the Burlington stores have been a longstanding partner of LLS and they're supporting the Dare to Dream project. So we're encouraging Burlington in-store customers to join us now through November 14th and make a donation at checkout because the monies raised will go to the Dare to Dream project. And one of the missions of the Dare to Dream project has just launched. It's called PEDAL, and it's the first ever pediatric leukemia master clinical trial. And this is a global master clinical trial Mm. to accelerate better treatment and care. What would be your message to other parents who are facing the same diagnosis that you faced with your son? It's kind of multifaceted, honestly. In the beginning, you know, you get that news and it's okay to cry and grieve. Grieving your old self, your old sense of security, your old normal. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we made a pact in our family to be honest with our son. So when the times got tough and he had those complications during his treatment, And we told him he was going to be okay. He knew he was going to be okay. Taking care of yourself, you know, finding time to feed your own soul in whatever manner that works for you so you can be the best advocate for your child and seeking out resources like the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society because they have specialists and people who can help you and help you on your personal journey because they recognize everybody's journey is just a little bit different. Again, uh, Julie Gabriel uh, is uh, part of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's Dare to Dream project. Where do folks learn more about this and the work being done to uh, improve outcomes, not just in the immediate aftermath of a cancer diagnosis, but as we said, long-term and further on out from that? Absolutely. The best place to go is lls.org. There you can find on their website all their different projects and the mission of the LLS and how to support. Or if you or a loved one have been affected by a blood cancer, please call one of our informational specialists at 
888-888-4572. We will get those resources linked up on our webpage as well. Julie, thanks very much for taking the time and certainly best wishes for uh, continued good news for your family. Thank you so much. Information that makes a difference. Good mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. So in the Bahamas, uh, some uh, tourists got a, a really unique opportunity. They were you know, on one of those uh, boat tours uh, to... See the well, you know, go whale, see see the whales, see the dolphins. Uh, in the Bahamas, a group of tourists on a boat tour got to see a unique sight: a hammerhead shark, and and then a dog uh, on board the boat dove into the water to confront the creature. Uh, in a video of the incident, tourists can be heard shouting at the dog to, to turn around, and get back in the in the boat but the dog ignored their cries and went after the shark the two animals circled one another for a while this could have ended very very badly but ultimately the dog scared off the shark it swam away wow who knew uh rebecca lightborn was among the tourists on the boat she said the dog frequently uh tags along on these uh tours but this is the first time that he jumped into the water. I guess this time the dog decided he wanted to protect his his house or maybe play with a really big fish in the water. So he went after it. Could have ended very, very badly for the uh, for the dog, but he would have scare away the shark. It's crazy. Uh, some of the other uh, items here, the odd and unusual side of the news. A couple of brothers in England decided to rob a jewelry store. Their, their disguise, they wore old man masks. Uh, George Murphy Bristow and Benjamin Murphy robbed a store. Uh, in the getup, weeks later, police found the uh, face masks in the trunk of their car. The uh, masks were described as extremely lifelike, full-face fla- full latex masks. Uh, police also found a hatchet, knife, and cable ties. Uh, one of the items in the jewelry store robbery was an $18,000 Rolex. Uh, both men have been found guilty of robbery. I, how do you fence an $18,000 Rolex? I mean, that's gotta be a really specific target market. You know what I mean? That's, I mean, on the one hand, if you're a, if you're a thief, Hey, I made off of this $18,000 watch. And then you start to think. What do I, how do I get rid of an $18,000 watch? Not like you can wear it around or anything. Uh, Let's see. (laughs) In this country, a New Hampshire school district is reversing its ban on restroom urinals. Yes, you heard that right. Local school board members in Milford, New Hampshire, voted to reverse the ban earlier this month following a contentious board meeting during which members had pitched a proposal that would require students to use restrooms and locker rooms based on their assigned gender at birth. That proposal upset transgender and non-conforming students who protested traditional gender assignments. Board members then pitched a urinal ban as a compromise, but that move made absolutely no one happy, and so the board 
<clears throat> flushed the idea. <laughs> Alrighty. <clears throat> what else is going on? It's just all kinds of craziness here. Uh, in Kentucky. <laughs> busted in Madisonville, Kentucky. Deshaun Palmer last week was caught smoking pot in the drive through at his bank. <laughs> uh, an employee who noticed the uh, what was going on uh, <laughs> actually called the cops. And uh, now he is, uh, Mr. Palmer is facing drug possession and marijuana trafficking charges. <laughs> uh, officers allegedly found a jar of pot in a backpack along with a scale, baggies, and prepaid cell phones. Police say they also found a journal that appears to be a record of all of the drug deals. <laughs> oh, because he was smoking pot at the bank drive through Not too bright. All right. <laughs> um, how about this story? This is kind of interesting. Uh, this is a little bit different from the uh, standard fare of the broken news, but... I thought this was an interesting story nonetheless. You know how in nature, um, if an animal wants to be intimidated, it will kind of growl and bare its teeth? Um, that's what happens in, with wild animals. Apparently for humans, we want to intimidate others. We snap selfies, apparently. This is a study from the University of Swansea. In England, in the School of Psychology, which found the most common selfie snappers do so in an, in an effort to intimidate others. Hmm. Women are more guilty of this than men. The published study scanned through pictures that were posted by 150 individuals and analyzed them for what scientists called self-presentation strategies. Uh, that is to say, the impression they are trying to show off to others. While some people posted more than 40 selfies a month, on average, women published five selfies and ten non-selfies a month versus an average of two selfies and six non-selfies a month for men. The women in the study were more commonly found to adopt intimidating self-presentational self strategies in their pictures. They... The more they tended to emit actions in the real world with an intent to project a powerful and dangerous personality to, to induce fear in others. As what their uh, selfies were trying to project. Uh, these, these are the conclusions of the researchers. They noted that selfies were not aimed at anyone in particular to make other women jealous or anything like that. But at the, they were aimed at the online community in general. On the other hand, men did not show this tendency to intimidate. In fact, their selfie posting was to avoid uh, confrontation and to be accepted. The study um, was interesting as previous studies showed that when it comes to the real world, women do not display this aggressive characteristic versus how men behave in real life. Scientists speculate that removing the social constraints of the real world, where women are generally expected not to appear aggressive, allows women to be free enough to bare their teeth, so to speak, when they are showing their their true selves. I don't know. That was kind of interesting. Do you do that? Do you post 
selfies to intimidate others? Or do we do that subconsciously? I don't know. Just kind of interesting. Something to think about. And how about this? A uh, good news story in the broken news. I love this. Kudos to the four-year-old boy being credited with saving his mother's life by taking care of her and his two younger siblings when she went into septic shock due to a bout with influenza A. Rachel Millis of Big Lake, Minnesota, said she was home alone with her four-year-old son, Asher, and his two brothers, ages two and one, while battling the flu last November. She's a registered nurse. She was getting ready to drop her sons off at her sister's home and drive herself to the ER for help when she had a coughing fit. And uh, it, she went into shock. Now, she has asthma and keeps a nebulizer at home. As, as she was trying to reach the nebulizer, she fell to the floor in the kitchen. And that's when four-year-old Asher stepped in to help. He just instinctively brought the nebulizer over, plugged it in, hooked it up, put all of the meds in it held it to her face and said, just breathe, Mom. She said she and her husband, Tyler, had never shown Asher how to use the nebulizer. He just picked it up from watching his mom. They also reportedly had never shown him how to call someone on their cell phones, but Asher knew to tell Siri to call Daddy. And when Tyler got that call, he in turn called 911. While Asher was taking care of Mom, he also looked out for his siblings Uh, They said Asher moved his brothers to an area outside of the kitchen, gave them snacks and toys to distract them. The chief deputy sheriff of Shelburne County, uh, Steve Duran, told uh, GMA the responding officers were extremely impressed when they arrived to find a four-year-old in charge of the situation. And he did a great job. Last week, the Sherborne County Sheriff's Office recognized Asher with its life-saving award. He is the youngest recipient of the Hero Award in the office's history. Isn't that awesome? You go. You go, young man. That is absolutely awesome. There you go. That is today's Broken News Report. An update on the odd and unusual side of the news. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Another major brand just announced it's halting all social media advertising. The two most overused and abused words in advertising are truth and trust. They are the two most precious commodities for all brands, big and small. As an advertiser, you have to trust your partners to protect your brand's truth using the media consumer's trust. Radio, it's on. This message provided by WFIN. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. Considering that we uh, went through Valentine's Day uh, last week and so on, I thought this was kind of interesting. Um, It's a new study uh, about the acceptability of inter-office romances. Now, uh, there have been some headlines in the news regarding some high-profile news personalities at ABC News who uh, ended up out of a job after their affair came to light. But, uh, I, you know, and in this day and age, uh, even consensual relationships at work can land you in hot water. So some of the results here of this uh, survey 
are not surprising, but interoffice romance still more common than you might think. The results of a new survey show 82% of people who are in an office romance, involved in an office romance, uh, try to keep it quiet. 82%. They don't want people to know. This is a survey from the Society for Human Resource Management. They polled more than 600 American employees to discover how they feel about these types of couplings. Um, more than two in five, and again, they're more common than you might think. More than two in five American employees either know someone who is dating a coworker or they have done it themselves. That's 40%. A lot more common than I would have guessed. 75% of those polled say they are they are okay with their coworkers dating, though when asked if they would pursue a work relationship, 75% said they probably would not. 40% said they believe it to be unprofessional. Which is interesting because 40% are either currently involved with someone they work with or have been in the past. Um, For those who are or have been coupled with a work partner, 57% say it was done for love. 1% admitted that they did it to get ahead in their job. (laughs) 40% of those polled say that they flirted with a co-worker. 24% say they have gone on a date with someone for their work from their workplace, not necessarily romantically involved, but have gone on a date. Kind of interesting. Seventeen percent say that they have taken that initial date to relationship status. Of those currently in a workplace romance, seventy-nine percent have dated someone at their same work level. Ten uh, percent have dated a subordinate. Uh, which is a no-no in many companies and with good reason. Uh, 18% have dated someone further up the ladder than themselves, which by extension means that those individuals were dating a subordinate. So um, short of a romantic relationship, 24% say they have had a work spouse, that is a coworker with whom they are especially close Not necessarily romantically involved, but very close to. And while those are generally thought to be platonic, 20% of those who have a quote-unquote work spouse say they have felt romantic feelings toward that individual. Again, may not have acted on it, but they have those feelings. I don't know, man. This is just uh, a lot of uh, landmines in that whole scenario. You know what I mean? I I look at some of those numbers, and again, it's more common than you might think, but we're playing with fire here, people. So we got a little taste of the warmer weather last week. We've got another day in the mid-60s this week. Uh, And of course, the beginning of the Lenten season this week as well may have you counting down to spring break or even dreaming of your summer vacation at this point. Will the huge post-pandemic travel boom that we saw in 2022 continue into 2023? Industry experts believe that it will. In fact, according to recent research from Booking.com, nearly three quarters of Americans, 73% in all, say that traveling will always be at the top of their list. We recently spoke with lifestyle and travel expert Carmen Ordonez 
about the travel trends we can expect to see in the year ahead. Well, you know, a big trend we're going to see this year is nostalgic getaways. Booking.com, their recent research found that wanting to return to simpler times is really a trend that's also going to extend into travel with nine in 10 Americans wanting to book a nostalgic getaway. I mean, it sounds amazing. You know, basically it's, you know, think, you know, going somewhere that reminds you of your childhood or maybe a place inspired by retro films. We're just going somewhere and disconnecting from all your devices. Yeah. The survey also found that U.S. travelers are seeking more daring, mindful, as well as work-free getaways. So those are some of the top trends we're going to see this year. Do you think uh, all of the challenges that we saw over the Christmas holiday will leave a bad taste in the mouths of some travelers? Is that going to linger at all in the back of people's minds? Not at all. I mean, I think people are always looking to just get out there, especially after, you know, the the pandemic. People are wanting to go out and mm-hmm. travel and be out with their, their loved ones. So I don't think, you know, that's going to deter anyone from traveling. I know it won't. It won't deter me. I mean, travel <laughs> is it's all about, you know, just going out there, creating memories. And there's just so many amazing places to to visit and so many places to see that wanderlust uh, is just too strong. Uh, so what are <laughs> so what are some of the uh, top trending destinations uh, for this year? Well, Booking.com they release their top trending destinations across the globe, and some of those places include, for example, you have the American Southwest capital of Santa Fe, New Mexico. You also have the ultimate beach vacation of Honolulu, Hawaii. I oh, know yeah. that's on my list. <laughs> That's a pretty other easy spots, sell right there. I know. <laughs> other other spots, you know, right here in the U.S. as well, the rich history of Boston, Massachusetts. You also have the cityscape of New York. I mean, New York is always a great idea as well. And the home of country music, Nashville, Tennessee. So yeah. lots of great options. Um, you know, to to really fulfill those 2023 travel goals. Okay, so uh, let me ask you a couple of uh, different questions here and just kind of have you run with it for those who are now starting to think about travel uh, in 2023. First of all, what do travelers prioritize? What should travelers prioritize when they are looking to book a trip? And how can folks gain the most value when they travel? Absolutely. Well, travels, uh, travelers are really going to prioritize the nostalgic getaways that we talked about. Also, according to the survey, 67% are going to prioritize unplugging from their jobs, no matter the destination, over working remotely, which I think is a great idea because that's what vacation is all about, right? Just going out there, really unplugging. So, you know, a lot of U.S. travelers are looking to really go off the grid. And 64% of Americans are also going to prioritize value for any trip type. So you're going to see a lot of financially savvy itineraries. You're going to see trips that are very, um, you know, timed very smartly as well. That's going to be top of mind for many travelers. Now, when it comes to, you know, getting value out of your trip, one thing that I always like to do is I like to look out for deals. For example, right now you can take advantage of Booking.com's latest early 2023 deal starting at 15% off stays worldwide. And this is taking place January 31st through March 31st. So you'll definitely want to take advantage of that. And I always tell people, you know, if you can be flexible with your travel dates as well, you know, you're going to get a really good deal that way as well. 
Again, uh, lifestyle and travel expert Carmen Ordonez with us this morning for Booking.com. Where do we get uh, more information? Yes, for more information, you can head on over to Booking.com and you can check out the deal that I mentioned there as well. Carmen, thanks very much for the time this morning and happy travels. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure speaking to you. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks again to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the program at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, are social media influencers losing their influence? How something that was supposed to rewrite the playbook of how products and services were marketed to consumers is now grappling with the realities that have always ruled the advertising business. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.